It's time to talk sports. It's Hacksaw's Headlines, a panorama of the world of sports. Stories, comments, and opinions. Now, here's iconic sports talk show host Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and co-host John Riley. It's a Monday. Who wants to talk NFL football? Who wants to talk Super Bowl football? We do. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, along with my co-host John Riley from our studios in San Diego. It is bonus podcast time, Super Bowl Sunday. John, we play 18 weeks of a regular schedule, four weeks of playoff football, and we get down to the final eight seconds of the season before we find out who is the best team in the National Football League, and it's the Kansas City Chiefs. That was a tremendous game. Two very, very different halves. Phenomenal number of big plays. Some defense, some controversy, and Kansas City beats Philadelphia. Wow. Wow. I mean, I think we were all looking forward to a good game, right? I mean, that's the main thing. And, you know, I've been kind of curious. I wanted to ask you as we kick off the podcast – how did you spend the day? I, I kind of like to hear a breakdown because you gave me a little bit of a hint last episode. But how did that go for you? Well, I I went to a Super Bowl party on my cul-de-sac with a bunch of Pittsburgh Steelers and Dallas Cowboy fans. <laughs> and I stayed and drank and ate the shrimp and all that. And then two minutes before the opening kickoff, I went home. I mm. like to watch the game in silence so I can evaluate and make notes, etc. Rather than have 23 people talk to me at the same time. And I wind up doing in a sports talk show. So I watched the first <laughs> half, then I went back down, got my second uh, load of shrimp and everything else I had to eat, came home and watched the end of the game, and then I I wrote everything for my, my website, and I wrote a big column, etc. So that's how I spent the day. By the time I got to about 8.30... I was pretty fatigued. Yeah. Well, that's good. Good on you. Because I, I, that's, I mean, this is your profession. You've got to pay attention to the details. I was at a Super Bowl party and, you know, you're having fun, you're chit chatting, you miss things. And I think that it was, it was that score was 28 27 at one point, And I got pulled away at a conversation in the kitchen and I came back out and it was tied 35 35. So, yeah, you got to be focused on what's going on. Let's talk for a second uh, about uh, these teams. And before we do that, just remind everybody how they can join us right at the end of our live stream on our bonus podcast today. Join us in Fans Forum and how they can schedule to get the alerts for all the things that we post Monday through Sunday now on our podcast. All right. So if you got a you know a hot take, a comment, a question about the Super Bowl that you want to zing at Hacksaw, just type it in in the live stream and the live chat on both Facebook and YouTube. We'll get him here. We'll get you involved in the fans forum at the conclusion of Hacksaw's headlines. Yeah, be sure to subscribe on YouTube. Click on that subscribe button. Click on that bell. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And, you know, follow Lee on social media. Media. We just got Lee Hacksaw Hamilton hooked up on TikTok and on Instagram, in addition to Twitter and YouTube and Facebook. And, you know, we're we're multimedia. We're covering it all. So follow Hacksaw wherever you can. And reminder, go to my website. It's all written. It's really different. LeeHacksawHamilton.com. I post things every night and the following morning, so it'll be there. We cover everything in sports on my website, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. So when Philadelphia came out and pummeled Kansas City in the first half, and Mahomes got hurt with 90 seconds to go in the second quarter, and it was 24-14. Did you think game over? Yeah, I mean, Hurts looked really good in that first half, and we were thinking, you know, maybe Mahomes' ankle injury, he was going to be doomed, but everything changed in the second half. Yeah. 
We talked extensively about adjustments, and that happened in the second half. We talked about the wear and tear factor. That happened in the second half. Uh, But uh, I could have never imagined that Kansas City would score on four straight possessions against Philadelphia's defense. Three touchdown drives, as well as the drive that got them to the goal line for the game-winning field goal. That's against Philadelphia's defense, which was superb. And by the way... They hardly knocked down nor sacked uh, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, what we saw first half, Philadelphia's physical force dominance, both sides of the ball. What we saw second half, Kansas City like an air raid drill. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, during the game, I remember I texted you and you said that the defensive lines were just gassed. You know, they just didn't have any energy. I mean, that's probably why they never got to Mahomes, right? Yep, definitely. And and in the first half, Kansas City looked gassed because mm-hmm. they couldn't get their defense off the field. You know, they kept showing the replays of the offensive line push. I mean, they were blowing Kansas City's defensive front back five, ten feet off the line of scrimmage. And there's Jalen Hurts running and throwing the football, etc. Uh, it was amazing some of the statistics. 757 total yards offense between the two teams. Wow. Chunks of big plays. Uh, there were five drives of 75 yards apiece in that game. There was a 17 play drive late in the first half. Philadelphia put that into the end zone. And then, of course, there were assorted big plays on special teams. Uh, how these defenses were able to go back out on the field and perform was amazing. I think that the snap count was 72 to 42. Philadelphia had 72 snaps, 30 more snaps than Kansas City, and yet Philadelphia wound up losing. Now, there are chunks of other storylines here. Uh, There's an awful lot of response about, was it pass interference right at the end? Mm. I finally saw a freeze-frame snapshot of the receiver turning and the DB James Bradbury actually had his shirt. You could see the shirt pulled. Mm -hmm. So the official on the field made the right call. There were instant replay calls, catch, no catch, bobble, football move. Mm -hmm. Jeez, Mm -hmm. this controversy just not going away. Doesn't matter whether it's the opening weekend of the season or a meaningless game in November or the last play of the Super Bowl. So I don't know what the NFL is going to do. There's a lot of criticism of referees. Uh, The game is played at such a fast tempo. Thank goodness that we do have replay to evaluate. But now we we get down to the minutia. John, football catch. You had it. You turned. You took a step. Ball bobbled. You got knocked out of bounds. You had it in both hands and you're going down. What's the catch? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to define. I mean, as we talked about this with the robo-umps in baseball, I want it to be objective. And and that one where, yeah, he, he had the ball and he took two steps. I thought he made a football move. <laughs> and then the ball gets knocked out and then returned for a touchdown only to be overturned. But, you know, the defensive back Bradbury on that last, near the very end of the game, he admitted, you know, that he, you know, committed, you know, the, the, the interference. But it's just... It wasn't such an over-the-top interference that a lot of people thought it was ticky-tack. There's a lot of, you know, let's just say novice football fans, I think, that were a little confused by all of it. Um, But you just hate to see that happen so late in the game. You know, and there was another factor to that final pass play where the flag was thrown. If you look closely, the ball was way over the head of the receiver. Yeah, it was. Now, Now, was that a catchable ball? 
So the other thing was, could he have gotten to that ball that was thrown so deep in the end zone had he not been tugged at on the jersey? I mean, we could argue till opening a training camp next July, but mm-hmm. uh, tough, tough call. And then there was the whole issue with the grass and the turf mm-hmm. and players slipping and cleats. Uh, I went back and checked. The National Football League designed that turf. It was grown in southwest Phoenix, mm-hmm. so it was acclimated to the weather. They spent $800,000 on that turf, and yet that turf kept coming up. And the players were slipping, I think, because there's so much paint on the field, too many logos, you know, the numbers, the hash marks, the big Super Bowl logo, all these other things. I think the paint causes the slippery footing. That being said, Philadelphia had a lot more problems with slippage than Kansas City did. So how Kansas City, they made adjustments with cleats. How could Philadelphia not make adjustments with cleats? I found that weird, too. Yeah, that is odd. I mean, should we be blaming Rihanna for for the halftime show? Because <laughs> they kind of dug it up. And I saw that clip of the, the groundskeepers going in and patching all the divots during halftime. I mean, which, by the way, it is remarkable that they can wheel out that halftime show and and have it go off mostly without a hitch and get them off the field in such a short amount of time. But there's got to be a lot of wear and tear on the turf. Well, I watched the game. And <laughs> since your wife and your dog are not here right now, they were the ones that were going to grade Rihanna's halftime show and all the Super Bowl TV commercials. But, I mean, there are so many layers of storylines to talk about just special. Okay, let's talk, let's talk for a second about the coaches because these guys played such a role in the outcome of this game. I, I kept looking at Andy Reid and saying, okay, what is he going to do at halftime? Because they're obviously getting punished by a, such a physical force Philadelphia front on both sides of the ball. And Andy Reid came out in the second half, made adjustments that maybe the average eye wouldn't see, but I watched it closely. And I said, wow. And then they started to make things happen. Andy Reid, you ever been to an art gallery? Yeah, You walk into an art gallery and there's all types of paintings on mm-hmm. all these different walls and they're all different styles and whether they're pastels or they're, you know, water prints. What? Andy Reid has an art gallery mind. Yeah. I wonder what goes on <laughs> nice. inside that mind about, oh, we have this structure we're going to run. Well, this isn't working. We'll go over here. We'll look at this painting and we'll put that in the game. Mm-hmm. And that's what he did. Uh, Mahomes was hurt. First thing that I saw when they came out, Mahomes was taking snaps under center for the first two possessions. Why? Shotgun, more pass rush, got to throw out of that formation for the most part. Under center, he can run the football, hand it off. All he's doing is doing this, doing that. He's not rolling out. He's not scrambling from trouble. Occasionally, he dropped back in the pocket and threw downfield. So Andy Reid, to start... Took a lot of the wear and tear factor off Mahomes and the injured ankle by having him go under center. And then I, I remember telling you on our Super Bowl preview last Thursday, keep an eye out for motion. What happens in their formation? Running guys behind the line of scrimmage, try to create mismatches. And that's what they did. Mahomes is there. They ran motion to Juju Smith a bunch of times, Kadarius Tony, then the rookie Sky Moore. And what happened? Philadelphia linebackers in coverage had all types of trouble keeping up with these guys. Where are they going? How am I going to get there? 
and and they ran they ran some fake plays out of motion just to see how Kansas City uh, could execute it and how Philadelphia would react to it. Hmm. And then finally, they they called a jet sweep, which was part of this motion thing, a jet sweep to Kadarius Tony, and he had run a couple of other jet sweep setup plays, and he never got the ball. But they ran it to see how Philly would react, and they ran a jet sweep. He started across the formation, stopped, pivoted, turned, and came back. And all the flow defensively was going that way because of the, quote, jet sweep. Mm-hmm. Out in the flat, wide open, touchdown. Kadarius Tony. Nice. Then they came back on the next possession, and he had Sky Moore, the rookie wide receiver. He ran jet sweeps. Same response by Philadelphia. They ran it like a third time with Sky Moore. He's wide open. Touchdown. Whole chemistry of the game changed. And then Andy, a beautiful mind, goes two running backs. They never run halfback, fullback, unless it's on the goal line. But they ran it. They ran it like multiple times. And then all of a sudden, you've got Pacheco busting runs going left. And they were, they were putting receivers in motion. They would dive into the hole, and they would seal block somebody from Philadelphia. And here comes Pacheco behind him. Boom. Huge hole. They pounded the football in the second half using all these things with an injured quarterback. I mean, Andy Reid, to me, was just just brilliant about what he did. And in terms of Sirianni, he never was able to counteract the move on the chessboard that Andy Reid made. First half, Philadelphia so physical at the point of attack. And there was no Kansas City run game. And they were chasing Mahomes around. Andy Reid in the second half went to a second tight end. So he had two tight ends. One was a receiver. One was a blocker. Philadelphia pass rush went away. Defensively, Andy Reid brought a fifth guy at the line of scrimmage. And then all of a sudden, there was no Jalen uh, Jalen Hurts quarterback draws. They took that away, and that was an in- integral part of the Eagle offense in the first half. Uh, Sirianni never was able to cope with the chess moves made on the board by Andy Reid in the second half, third quarter, fourth quarter, and that's what changed the whole chemistry of the game. And I mean, I, like I said, guy's got an art gallery of a mind. Yeah, it's always great when you run across people like this in sports or really even in business. You know, people like Steve Jobs that can revolutionize. They can see things that we don't see. You know, it's not just a chess game, but it's 3D chess, right? Um, So you got to give a big hat tip to Andy Reid on all of this. Um, I just love that innovation in him. But let me ask you this, Hacksaw. Do you think He's done, or is he still going to be coaching for a few more years? I think he'll coach as long as he wants to coach, and he's already said, I'm coaching in 2023. Mm-hmm. Teams change. Coaching staffs change. I think he may lose Eric Bieniemy as his offensive coordinator, but Andy's not ready to walk away from, from the National Football League. Uh, but I, I just I was fascinated. And a guy asked me this morning, because he, he listens to our podcast, he said, how do they have time to put all this stuff in preparing for the Super Bowl? I said, understand this, John. Mm. you got two weeks. Mm. And I think what Andy Reid does, this is plan A. This is what we're going to run. Now, if we have a problem, we have a plan B, an alternate we can go to. And by the way, you got two weeks to do all the snaps in practice on the field and your walkthroughs with plan A. But you also delegate a certain amount of time to go to plan B. And plan B is what worked. 
with with what they did with motion, what they did with jet sweeps, what they did with two backs, which they never ever show unless it's down on the goal line. So just beautiful mind. And and I, I was impressed Sirianni, he was so emotional, he cried before the game. I don't know if you saw the picture of the close up yeah. shot during the national anthem. Yeah, I did. He was so amped. I was pretty impressed with him afterwards. The, yeah, they were disappointed, but they weren't brokenhearted. Geez, they went down to the final eight seconds of the season before the game was decided. Uh, he was really pleased. His players are really pleased. Uh, I think what they're going to find, though, and because all teams who go to the Super Bowl, including the when I was the voice of the Chargers, well, we'll get back there. Oh, yeah. It is so bloody hard <laughs> to get back there. You mm-hmm. can't can't take that for granted. But I thought Sirianni handled the setback in the final seconds really well. Uh, there were things that I, I just questioned uh, when when they could not run quarterback, quarterback draws with Jalen Hurts. Why weren't they running the running backs? Because Miles Sanders, that's a 1,600-yard rusher. Let him run powerball. Let him run sweeps. He's so big and physical and get him out on the edge because they closed the, the gates on, on Jalen Hurts. Hurts had a great day, 374 all-purpose yards for a second-year quarterback. I was really, really impressed. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's got a great, bright future ahead of him. But I was just thinking, you know, with uh, Andy, Andy Reid, the beautiful mind, do you think he purposely goes out and recruits players that are high IQ players? Because remember that play near the end when McKinnon ran towards the goal line and then slid at the one to let the clock continue. I mean, that was good thinking right there. Football smarts. Yeah. Yeah. You don't always see that Sunday to Sunday in the league. I, I agree with you. But they recruit, I think, more than anything else, they recruit raw speed. Holy cow, they go get guys. And and if you just think about it, Pacheco came from Rutgers, tough guy, extra gear. McKinnon used to be a Minnesota Viking, extra gear, tough guy. Kadarius Tony, I mean, that's a blazer, unwanted by the New York Giants. Couldn't stay on the field, couldn't stay healthy, had a lot of junk off the field. Giants got rid of him. They picked him up. Uh, do you think he made a few big plays? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and, you know, Juju Schuster-Smith, size wide receiver, physicality. You watch him seal block guys, linemen, defensive ends. He's a physical force guy. So they go out, of, they go after a certain type of player, and geez, they hit the jackpot on virtually all the kids they got. Okay, let's move on. Next gun, we'll talk about role players here. Uh the guys, the guys that are not named Patrick Mahomes, but Juju Smith-Schuster came from the Steelers. And boy, did he have a strong second half of the season. And Pacheco obviously came from Rutgers. And because of Pacheco, I don't know that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has any future in Kansas City. And that was a former number one draft pick coming out of LSU, one of Joe Burrow's teammates. Uh, they, those guys really had input. Uh, and, you know, plus what Kadarius Tony did, especially in the second half of the game. Um, it's interesting from a front office perspective just to look at general managers. And we talked about Brett Veach and we talked a little bit about Howie Roseman last week and how they know how to go find players that fit what these coaches want to run. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible, these guys. And Pacheco is an interesting guy because you told me he was a quarterback in college, right? <laughs> and they converted him to running back. And to watch that guy run, it's it's a different compared to other running backs because it's like he has this fast twitch muscles. And when he's powering, he like you say, he's got an extra gear. And when you think he's going down, he's still 
going at 100%. Um, a very impressive young man. Interesting. He wears number 10, Tyreek Hill's number. How about that? <laughs> yeah. You know, and the other angle to this, too, is, is you know, usually – you know, you always see these cases of like guys that are quarterbacks and they come to the NFL and they would they would move them to other positions. And, you know, there was kind of talk. There's a little bit of racism involved with some of those things. But Pacheco is legit. And boy, is he just really in the right spot with the right QB. And now look at him. He's a star on the field. And like you said, the, the number one draft pick, man, he's on the bench watching. First year. First year in the NFL, and look at the integral role he played, running the ball, catching the ball out of the backfield, and just giving power. Uh, Every time he touches the ball, you know somebody's going to get hit, and he's the one who's going to be delivering the blow. So, I mean, you look at the roster, the roster that Brett Veach put together for Andy Reid is is spectacular. Let's talk about the quarterbacks. Okay. So, Patrick Mahomes, I mean, MVP number, well, he was the regular season MVP. Was he the Super Bowl MVP too? Yes. He got that. It's the second time he's been the MVP for the Super Bowl. This young man, is he the next Tom Brady? Is the Tom Brady. Okay, is. He got 48 of the 50 first place votes for the National Football League MVP. Mm -hmm. How about the grit and determination to get back on the field after re-injuring that ankle again? And how about the grit and determination when they needed him to make a play to run out out of traffic? 26-yard scamper down the sidelines. Next thing you know, they're getting in field goal range, get the help with the penalty, and then bingo, kick the game-winning field goal. His leadership capability is just just off the charts, uh, and his athletic ability is phenomenal. I, I read a story that was really interesting. You know, we've been mesmerized when we watch him play, and we see him predominantly in, in games when the Kansas City plays the Chargers, and the games are always televised here in San Diego. I heard a story about how he became accomplished at making all the plays that he makes, all the contortions, moving the pocket, throwing off the wrong foot, the accuracy when he's in trouble. His father, of course, was a pitcher for the Minnesota Twins. Patrick Mahomes Jr. played a lot of baseball. Mm -hmm. He was a shortstop, which is usually the most athletic position of anybody in the field. And he related this past Super Bowl week about how he became accomplished throwing the football from so many different angles. Because he was a shortstop, he mastered, obviously, the -the over-the-top throw from deep in the hole. But because he was a shortstop, he mastered the throw running in, grabbing it, and throwing it sidearm to first base. Mm -hmm. Because he was a shortstop, he mastered going left, picking up a ground ball, and flipping it on the mark to start a double play. Right. The guy the guy has accomplished all the science of playing shortstop with arm slots and all that and has duplicated it in the NFL because I've watched this for a long time. I've never seen a quarterback be able to scramble, throw off balance, throw from the wrong foot, throw while your body's going down and be so accurate. It's because it was a shortstop. And that that is a great angle. You know, and I'm sure he played a little bit of second base where they've got to kind of throw it from this way. Um, The we we saw Mahomes come out when he was a rookie. Everyone was blown away by the way he played the game, the way he threw the ball, because usually the NFL is like this copycat league. Right. So now all of a sudden you got this guy that's throwing it sidearm, submarine, everything else. 
people really enjoyed that innovation and look what it's done for him. It's taken him to the, the promised land twice. He's got a great uh, career ahead of him. I um, think maybe we're going to start to see more quarterbacks like this. Well, I think that's a trend. I think, you know, Jalen Hurts might be a young Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Um, Hurts is a little bit more of a running quarterback, and that's what he was at Alabama and at Oklahoma, and he developed, evolved into a very good passing quarterback. But uh, what a spectacular playoff series, multiple games we had from Patrick Mahomes, and now he's got another ring. Uh, we got other football notes to talk about. Before we do, remind everybody about our live stream, how they can join us, John, right at the end, coming up shortly, and what we want them to do to be able to get all the alerts for all the things we're putting on our, our podcast. Yeah, so you can get the alerts. You know, just subscribe on YouTube, click on that bell, and you will get an alert when we have the live streams, when we post the uh, video clips throughout the week, and we do the YouTube shorts. You'll get updates when those are dropping if you click on the bell and subscribe on YouTube. And be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You know, on the audio-only platforms, we're seeing a lot of growth for Hacksaw's podcasts. So Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you can subscribe there. And yeah, let's get you involved in the fans forum. we got a couple of people that's already jumped in on, on the questions for Hacksaw. So uh, type those in on Facebook or YouTube, and we'll get you involved. And I want to remind you, Check my website. It's all written, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. If you liked our sports talk show, you'll like all the things that we do, the best 15 minutes in sports, Hacksaw's headlines, my one-man's opinion column, and all of Hacksaw's mini-polls. That's LeeHacksawHamilton.com. Okay, we got storylines off the field. It's going to be a busy couple of weeks now that the Super Bowl is coming on. Yeah, I mean, right before the Super Bowl started, you texted some information about Derek Carr, and I'm interested to learn a lot more about this. Well, the deadline is... Is February 14th. The Raiders have to make a decision on what's going to happen with Derek Carr. Derek Carr has a contract that kicks in an extension that will be worth $40 million guaranteed if he's still under contract to the Raiders after February 14th. So he is probably going to get cut. Uh, the, the background is they yanked him from the lineup. And they've indicated at the end of the Raiders season, we're going to play Jared Stetchum, and we just want to see what he's got to offer. Derek Carr walked away from the Raiders. Derek Carr's agent went to the Raiders and said, we would like the opportunity, if you're going to trade us, for us to meet with potential teams that Derek would be interested in going to. Raiders said no. So they sat and they sat and they sat. And the Raiders have wound up wasting about six weeks of time. And then finally... Carr went back to the Raiders and said, would you rethink this? And they said no. Said no a second time. Derek Carr said, you will not allow us to talk. I will invoke the no trade clause in my contract and I will block any deal you try to make with anybody. I won't accept it. And I'm going to leave as a free agent on December, uh, February 14th and you'll get no compensation. Mm. So last Friday at midnight, the Raiders changed their mind and said, you have an opportunity. He went and spent two days with the New Orleans Saints, and it looked like that's where he was going to wind up because the Saints and the Raiders had agreed upon draft pick compensation to make a car trade go if Carr could come to agreement on a restructured contract. New Orleans cannot pay him $40 million a year. They have enormous cap problems, but evidently they were working on different dollar figures and, and how to do it to make it work with their salary cap problem. And then yesterday, he decided, I'm not going to New Orleans. Hmm. And he informed the Raiders the clock has run out. 
There's no time for me to go somewhere and meet somebody else, be it the Washington Commanders or the Carolina Panthers, because you wasted five weeks. Yeah. So as we sit here on our bonus podcast on Monday, not going to be traded. They cannot, Raiders cannot afford a $40 million contract. He's probably going to get released either late Tuesday night or Wednesday morning. Allows him to go on the open market. Now, he won't have a $40 million contract, but he'll have the chance to handpick where to go. And to go, to me, makes sense is probably Carolina Frank Reich Mm -hmm. with an owner who's got cap space and is not afraid to spend. Uh, And they have no quarterbacks in Carolina now at all. So I would I would think maybe that's the landing spot. The financial structure is obviously going to be different. It's not going to be a forty million contract. But why would the Raiders just mishandle this thing? Except that Mark Davis is a bozo and doesn't know what the hell he's doing with the franchise. <laughs> End of opinion. Period. Exclamation yeah. point. But I know I'm right. Your response? Oh, uh, I mean, yeah. The, the Raiders have just been so much trouble. I mean, trying to get organized. I wish Al Davis was back. I mean, because he, he kind of had a system. He could figure it out. I hope Carr lands on his feet. He's a good guy. I, I, I just like him as, as an individual and as a player. But it's just typical of the Raiders sort of screwing themselves. Um, it's funny, too, that you know we were talking last week about the New Orleans Saints and draft picks because they were coming from Denver, you know, with the Sean Payton deal. They had a little bit of, uh, you know, some resources, some assets to work. But, yeah, I'm sure it probably came down to money for Carr. If they can't pay him what he wants, then there's no point. So that's where we are. We'll find out. We're going to get a much better read on this whole storyline, I think, by late Tuesday or Wednesday morning at the latest. And Derek Carr will go on the open market. Uh, That being said, his career record is 69 and 80. That's Mm. not real impressive. But you have to know the inner workings of the mess that the Raiders organization is. And, His one loss record, I think, is a direct reflection and relationship to just what a disaster the organization is. So everything that happened around him, blown draft picks, John Gruden, injuries, wasted money, uh, failing number one picks, it all kind of fell at his front door. And that's why he's 69 and 80 (laughs) as a starter in the league. But he is a good guy and he'll be playing somewhere else. Uh, next season. On we go. Next question. All right. So we got a couple more topics here. I mean, what's going on with the new head coach opportunities with the Cardinals and the Colts? Uh, two jobs are left. Uh, the The rumor out of Indianapolis is that they're going to move on Shane Steichen, offensive coordinator, Philadelphia Eagles. I uh, had a big role in the development, obviously, with Sirianni of Jalen Hurts. Steichen used to be here. He was a quarterback coach with the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and has has fast-tracked like Sirianni has fast-tracked. Steichen might well be the guy. Indianapolis, over the Super Bowl weekend, told a wide variety of the guys that they interviewed. They interviewed 15 different people. Told virtually all of them, including Jeff Saturday, uh, we're going a different direction. Mm. So I think Steichen might well be the guy. Arizona has waited to the end of the Super Bowl, they have asked for permission to interview Jonathan Gannon, the defensive coordinator in Philadelphia. In fact, I'm led to believe that interview started on Monday is going to continue into Tuesday. There seems to be a sentiment that maybe he is going to be the guy at a very late date uh, to become the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. They've been in and out of the mix. A number of the guys that they were interested in, they could not get. Uh, When Dan Quinn pulled out and said, I'm staying in Dallas with the Cowboys to be defensive coordinator, that hurt them. Uh, When D'Amico Ryans 
uh, did did not accept the job there and wound up going to the Houston Texans. So they they had to backtrack, but evidently Gannon is probably the lead guy there. The other thing to keep an eye on. Uh, I don't have all the names right in front of me right now, will be there are a wide variety of offensive coordinator candidates available who I think are going to move. And we keep hearing, I keep hearing through my contacts, that Eric Bieniemy is going to leave Kansas City. You can't go from offensive coordinator here to offensive coordinator there. But you can go from offensive coordinator Kansas City to offensive coordinator play caller with mm-hmm. another team because he didn't call the plays. They could also name him assistant head coach as a way to be a move up. You can't make lateral moves in the NFL. So Biennemi might be changing addresses pretty quickly, which that's a big storyline in Kansas City. If they lose him, just like San Francisco's losing all both of their coordinators. So uh, 49ers got some holes that they're going to have to fill now. So scramble for assistant coaches is about to begin and we got the two head coaching jobs still to be filled. Yeah, it's interesting with Bienemy because we've we've talked a lot about him as a as a, another bright light. Um, and I remember in the post game TV show last night, Mike Vick was talking about Bienemy and saying he deserves his shot. So hopefully he gets into the mix. But the defensive coordinator with the Eagles, Gannon, is any relation to Rich Gannon? No, no, Jonathan Gannon. No, different different guy. Okay. Uh, but uh, what he's done in in two years in Philadelphia to build that beast of a defense has impressed an awful lot of people. We've got one other name here that we want to talk about that has not really been discussed very often, and that's the guy in Green Bay. <laughs> yeah, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I mean, where I mean, it's always weird where this guy is going to end up. And how old is he, by the way? Thirty eight. Thirty eight. So he could probably play a couple more seasons. He's still got that that, that those feats of strength. The question is is who wants him, right? Well, he can still play. So there will be people out there that might want him. Now, can anybody take on a $40 million, $42 million salary cap contract? I don't know. That's a big issue. What what bothers me, and he's always been outspoken. He's always been in grudge mode. He's always been about, I've been disrespected and all that, <laughs> or I disagree with the front office. That he's just That's his spirit. That's his DNA. But I look at him now and I look at Brett Favre reincarnated, how it ended with Brett Favre in Green Bay. Love me, love me not, mm-hmm. might retire, trade me. And, you know, and I, I remember Brett Favre, New York Jets, Brett Favre, Minnesota Vikings. That wasn't very impressive. What a no. lousy way to go out. Yeah. So why would you want to live, leave Green Bay uh, where the next step for him would be Hall of Fame, Packer Hall of Fame at Lambeau Field and maybe NFL Hall of Fame? Why would you leave to go somewhere else with a bad team? That That's the only thing that just it, it doesn't jive with how you want to finish your career. Uh, remains to be seen. He, he has indicated this week, John, that he was going to turn the lights out and he was going to go into isolation and he was going to decide, <laughs> love me, love me not. Do I mm-hmm. love Green Bay or do I want to go play somewhere else? Uh, remains to be seen. I have a hard time thinking he would ever put somebody else's colors on, but I some guys do it differently, and he's really cut from a different cloth. Yeah, he is. And, and you know, he said he was going to go to a dark place, you know, to do his a, a reflection. Um, you know, it, it, if you were to paint a picture and say, where where would you like him to finish his career? It'd be interesting if he actually finished his career in San Francisco, you know, given he's a Northern California guy. Obviously, they don't need him, you know. So the, he could land anywhere else, but it might be like Philip Rivers and the Colts, you know, just like a one-year thing and probably would hang it up. But, um, yeah, it's just a soap opera with that guy, you know, both on the field and off the field. And San Francisco does not have a quarterback who's healthy. 
They have no. They're all coming off surgery. Mm. You know, in San Francisco, if if they had a workout, they'd have no quarterbacks to snap the ball to. If we were still working out, getting ready for another game, uh, I, I think it's a long shot that he go to San Francisco. That's a salary cap issue on top of everything else. So interesting to see. But we got plenty of weeks now that the Super Bowl is retired because now you're going to start putting on your player personnel hat and we'll start talking about player moves and who fits where and what's going to happen in free agency. And by the way, we got the NFL draft still to come too. Okay, time for Fans Forum. You got a question? We got answers. Whether you agree or disagree with us does not really matter. But John, pick one. Let's see what the fans have got to say, what they want to talk about, what they have to ask. All right. This one's from uh, Ryan Kennedy. He says, would I be wrong in thinking Aaron Rodgers is going to end up on the Jets, possibly follow a path of Brett Favre? Well, that that's a rumor that's out there. The Jets are in the marketplace, Ryan, going to hire an offensive coordinator. Um, it might It might be somebody that's got ties with Aaron Rodgers in the past, maybe somebody that was on the Green Bay staff that might surface working for Robert Saleh. Uh, but it, that, that's a tough team. I mean, they, they've had been ravaged by injuries. They, they've had problems with all their number one draft picks because guys getting hurt, underachieving wide receivers. And yeah, he'd go to New York, but would he be a big difference maker with the Jets? I. I don't think so. I just have a hard time thinking of him wearing anything but the gold Green Bay helmet. Yeah. I mean, it's hard thinking of him in another spot, but we're going to find out. I mean, like there's going to be a shuffle under the deck with coaches, with coordinators, and the quarterbacks are coming. Here's here's kind of a fun comment here from Ralph Lopez. You are the best hacksaw. Love your stuff and opinions. <laughs> you are right. We are bleeping brilliant here. I really enjoy this. I, I enjoy the world of podcasting. Blame John Riley for dragging me in the front door and saying you gotta <laughs> gotta experience this. If you read my website, you know how much I love sports because I write about such a wide variety of things on my website every day, uh, every night. But I, I'm just fascinated. And the coolest thing I haven't mentioned this to John. The coolest thing is we just come out of the Super Bowl. And what did we do beginning today in the Cactus League and the Grapefruit Circuit? Ah, yeah. Spring training baseball. Yeah. And, I mean, there's so much always to explore and to talk about. Thank you for the compliment. Yes, we are bleeping brilliant because we enjoy what we're doing. Okay, we got some uh, YouTube comments here. And let's go to this one here. This is from M. Allen. He says, franchise, Eric Coriel is in the Hall of Fame. Now, is there any way the Chargers could come back and play in the San Diego State Stadium while they expand it? The SoFi games are just full of opposition, and that is not the NFL experience. Well, the only question I can ask you is, what is the limit on your American Express gold card? What does it cost to build a new stadium? What does it cost to renovate a stadium? It's a phenomenal amount of money. Item one, the National Football League's owners are making an enormous amount of money off the games played at SoFi Stadium because part part of the Rams' financial take at home games and part of the games that Chargers play goes to the league and then is spread as revenue sharing to every partner. So I'm not sure that Robert Kraft or any of these other owners, including Jerry Jones, wants a team to leave Los Angeles where they're selling out 70,000 fans per game and wants to give up any share of that revenue stream they get from ticket sales to go to a college football stadium that seats 35,000 maybe. So I, I, at this point in time, I, I don't see that happening. The only thing that would change would be if the Spanos family elected to sell or was forced to sell because of their financial problems. 
if they were forced to sell to a Jeff Bezos or somebody else who doesn't want to be a tenant but wants a market to himself, then if that new owner comes up with the resources to help build a new stadium in San Diego, maybe the league would look at allowing the Chargers to leave. Spanos is not leaving unless he's forced out. And I don't think the league owners want to vote to have somebody leave unless they're going to another market with a huge stadium. And we got a great market, great tradition of loyalty, and we don't have an NFL stadium, and SoFi is not anywhere near an NFL stadium. It doesn't have all the skyboxes you would need to generate the kind of money that they're generating in Buffalo or New England, etc. Yeah, someone pick up the phone and call Peter Seidler, call Joseph <laughs> Sy. I mean, we've got guys here in San Diego, you know, um, but I don't see it happening. I mean, sadly, it, yeah, sadly. I mean, it it, it would re- require just. A, com- a convolution of just perfect situation for a team to come back. And if it did come back, it's probably not the Chargers. Well, unless Spanos's family sells the franchise or is forced to sell the franchise. They, mm-hmm. they are now one of the, quote, poorer owners financially uh, in the NFL. Uh, but at the end of the day, when you reflect back to what happened in 2017, the National Football League did not want the Raiders in Los Angeles. That's why the owners killed the Charger Raiders stadium proposal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. They did not want Davis's poorly run ragtag business operation to stain the L.A. market. So then when Las Vegas wrote them a ticket and gifted them the stadium, that solved one of the problems the league has. Okay, you're Las Vegas's problem now. Now what do we do with the Chargers? Well, Spanos didn't have any money uh, to build a stadium, didn't have the people around him to help finance a a second stadium, made no sense to build a second stadium. That's when the league kind of forced Stan Kroenke to accept Spanos as a tenant and allow the Chargers to come in. It's been great for the Chargers because they have a, a home. They've tried to develop their brand. They have a bright quarterback, but they still have the Charger curse of being owned by the first family of football, the Spanoses. And sadly, San Diego's got screwed in the whole deal by what Dean Spanos finally decided. And and shame on the NFL because those owners allowed this to happen. But I don't think we're going to see it back unless the team is put up for sale. And then then any idea out there might make sense if it's the right money man to buy the Chargers franchise and could help find a way to build a stadium in San Diego. But I don't think that's going to happen a week from Friday. Yeah, I don't think so either. We've got another Chargers question here on the YouTube comments. This is from Ryan Hayes. He says the Chargers have a stud left on um, have a stud left tackle in Rashawn Slater, who missed almost all this, the last season with a biceps injury. You are correct, though. The Chargers need more speed. Many fans haven't seen that for a long time, and Jalen Guyton. But that's about it. Well, you're correct uh, on both assessments. Uh, The thing that excites me about the Chargers, although I can't get the bad taste out of my mouth of a 27-0 lead turning into a loss against Jacksonville, but the the best thing that's exciting about the Chargers, John, is Rashawn Slater comes back as a stud left tackle. Jam Sawyer, the rookie, who they forced out to play left tackle after Slater went down, he had a really rock-solid season. He's going to be their left guard. And they drafted Zion Johnson last year. He played every snap at right guard. He didn't grade out as a rookie at right guard as well as Slater graded out at left tackle. But he was physical. He's smart. He stayed healthy. He took all the snaps. So he'll be better served now in year two 
after going through the learning curve. And evidently, they, they really believe that Trey Pipkins, it's taken him three years to develop him. I mean, he is a beast of a big man at right tackle. He may not be the greatest pass blocker, but he's a road grader right tackle. So, you know, they and they've got Corey uh, Lindsley as as the Pro Bowl center. So they look like if they can keep these guys on the field healthy, they're going to have a very different offensive line, a very for the most part, a very young offensive line, and that'll help them take the next step. they got to address the speed. You're correct. That's what Kellen Moore, the new uh, offensive coordinator who just came in from the Dallas Cowboys, first thing out of his mouth after he accepted the job is speed kills. We must get speed at wide receiver to get separation. Uh, Interesting offseason ahead of us, though, because the Chargers have to deal with the salary cap. They don't have a lot of money, and they got an awful lot of money invested in Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. That's like almost $37 million guaranteed on, on the cap this year. So they're going to have to restructure some contracts. But they, they do have a mid-round, first-round draft pick. I think it's a 23rd choice. And they'll go, they need to go find the right speed guy. If they're not going to draft a defensive tackle, which is also a need, they need to draft, you're correct, need to go get speed. So like I say, as February turns to March uh, and the offseason officially is now started in the league, we'll talk a lot more about that. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be an, a fascinating offseason. And when's the draft? I mean, that's in April, Sometime I think. Sometime in April. Yeah, so it's coming soon. So got a lot going on here. We got, you know, we talk about the Raiders and the disaster that the the Las Vegas Raiders are. Here's a comment here that came from Roger McDonald. He says, I've been a Raiders fan for 55 years, and they are an embarrassment to true fans. They are ran by a a failed owner. Al Davis is rolling in his grave. Carr should take the cut, and the Raiders burn next year. I can take another bad season to screw management over. Well, it's a bad situation all around. Uh, You know, I've got friends that work in the media in Las Vegas, and I was on their talk shows up there, and they were asking me about the team that Las Vegas is inheriting. And I said, you're excited you're getting an NFL franchise. That is great. You're going to have a shiny new stadium. That's great. You're going to get to see all the big names come through here and play. That's great. By the way, the owner of your franchise... Their record is 90 and 182 over the last 11 years in Oakland. So you're not getting a great franchise. And so here here come the Raiders, and here comes John Gruden, and that didn't work out. And then Josh McDaniels, and now they make the change at quarterback, and they've wasted all these number one draft picks. And all these players got in trouble off the field. They got salary cap issues. I just I think from a business standpoint, the place is a fiasco. From a football standpoint, we'll see what they do at quarterback. Unless Jarrett Stidham is the guy, Derek Carr is definitely not going to be there. But maybe they get a number one draft pick out of this from somebody as compensation if they can work a trade. But more likely than not, because Derek Carr dug his heels in and said, I'm not approving a trade anywhere now because of what you did over the last five weeks. Uh, Raiders are an absolute disaster. So if you're a Raider fan, sucks to be you. I don't feel sorry for you. And as I like to call them, I never have an opinion about the Raiders. I just call them the silver and bleak, not the silver and black. (laughs) You know, what's interesting to me is that for the longest time, professional sports stayed out of Las Vegas. It was taboo to have a team there. And now gambling is embraced across all the sports, DraftKings, FanDuel. And now we've got two professional teams in Vegas with hockey and football, and maybe the Oakland A's are heading there. I mean, everything is flipped on its ear. 
Well, the whole landscape of professional sports has changed, and now all of a sudden, what was not acceptable, gambling dollars, is definitely acceptable gambling sponsorship. So smarter people than me have made that economic decision. Hey, listen, hope you've enjoyed our bonus coverage on our special Monday podcast coming out of the Super Bowl. We, of course, will be back here on Thursday with our regular podcast of Hacksaw's Headlines. And a reminder, we invite you to join us uh, on our podcast, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, and on all the audio channels that we are now on. And we invite you to register so you can get the alerts because we do put a lot of unique and very different stuff on on our uh, YouTube channel uh, every day of the week almost now. And listen, we'll be back on Thursday. For John Riley, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, thanks for being with us. Have yourself a great day. Join us again for Hacksaw's Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. Touchdown, San Diego! For more content, go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com.